0: This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com Funding for Egedet Tachuva, the Epistle on Repentance, is provided by Isaac, son of Devorah Mindel. Lessons in Tanya the Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi. Taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasnyansky. Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg.
1: So he's discussing the higher level of teshuva, that the soul yearns to overcome its existential angst, It wants to overcome its disconnect, its separation from Hashem, and it yearns to become one and inseparable with Hashem. And how do we do this? And that's where we left off 1092, the second paragraph.
0: Ahava, the love of Hashem is primarily the cleaving of spirit to spirit. As the verse expresses it, he kisses me with the kisses of his mouth. A physical kiss unites the inner breath or spirit of two individuals similarly. The internal aspect of the soul and godliness are united through the breath or speech of Torah. Through good deeds and most specifically through the concentrated study of the Torah as explained in part one, chapter 45. So, a
1: love could express itself in many different ways. It could bring you to write love notes. It can bring you to verbally express your love to telling the one you love that I love you and then the love expresses itself through a kiss so it depends on the degree of love when the love is so intense and so deep that you can't express it in words, words are simply inadequate it's just not enough it can't contain the love that you feel it's overwhelming so but then you express your love through kissing, a physical kiss. So even though it appears to be, it's very physical and external, but the truth is, it it reflects a very deep love, such a deep love, that you can't just express it spiritually by words, or you have to express it physically. And then your souls unite, the breath, your breath, and... the two breaths the souls become one when you want to become so close to another person and you want to overcome the barrier that separates between the two of you so when you express your words of love verbally you're still two separate entities but you're radiating warmth and affection towards each other so okay there's there's a connection but you still remain two separate entities when the love is overwhelming your ego walls come down and Your defenses come down and you're able to feel intimate and close to another person. That's when you express it through a kiss. So expressing through a kiss is the ultimate uh, merging of souls, the ultimate merging. And your breath, so to speak, commingle, become one. So this is an analogy to our love of Hashem when we love Hashem so much that the barrier, the ego the separation that separates us melts and we want to become one with Hashem so we give Hashem a kiss so to speak and that refers to the, the breath of Torah that's the kiss the words of Torah are Hashem's words His breath and when we say the words of Torah and not just say the words of Torah More importantly, we delve deeply, we engage our minds fully in the understanding of what we're learning until it totally engages us, that we become one and inseparable with Hashem. This is the ultimate expression of love. This is the highest level of love. You become one and inseparable from each other
0: with regard to this cleaving of spirit to spirit the verse says that you shall love the Lord your God with all your soul
1: first it says love Hashem with all your heart
0: Yeah.
1: but then he ups the ante then you love Hashem with all your soul he explains which means
0: which means that the love is to be so intense that all aspects of the soul, intellect and emotions and their garbs of thought, speech and deed are to cleave to Hashem.
1: So when your soul becomes one with Hashem, when you overcome any separation between you and Hashem, because the higher level of teshuvah is after a person has done the lower level of teshuvah you're not sinning, you're doing everything right, you're even doing many mitzvahs, but still, you still feel that angst, that anguish from being separate, a separate entity. You want to become one with Hashem. When the barriers completely melt, come tumbling down, and you want to become close and one and separate, which is expressed through a kiss, then your soul becomes completely lined up with Hashem. Every aspect of your soul, your intellect, becomes one with the intellect of Hashem. You engage your mind in studying of Torah. Your emotions, your character traits, become one with Hashem. Your thought, your speech, your action, all become completely. Every aspect, every faculty, every ability that you have, become completely and become an extension of Hashem it's not just something that you're doing you actually become an extension of God what does God do what engages God Torah math science, physics, it doesn't engage God the God that's just like an afterthought all the deepest science in the world Hashem, the whole world is with one letter, God created the whole world two letters, ten words when we speak ten words, it's, a, it's a nothing, it's insignificant, it doesn't engage God, it's like a total afterthought. Torah, this is what engages God. So when you want to become one with Hashem, inseparable from Hashem, you become an extension of Hashem, your mind, your brain, and your mind is engaged in the same thing that engages Hashem. What's Hashem engaged in? The Torah, the, sixth, the set of the Mishnayas and the Talmud and the Jewish law and all the Torah and all the different le- levers, layers, and levels of Torah. This is what engages Hashem. So your soul, your entire soul, your entire mind is completely engaged in, fully engaged in the studying of Torah, as an extension of what engages Hashem. And and then he says he continues. This means a man's. This means that man's emotive faculties are to be bound up with his, as he is merciful so should you be merciful.
0: Thus when a person
1: acts kindly out of the attribute of compassion, for example, this
0: emotive faculty of his is bound up with Hashem.
1: So there's a mitzvah in the Torah, mitzvah 611, the end of Deuteronomy. There's a mitzvah you should follow in Hashem's paths. What does it mean, follow in Hashem's path? How do you follow in Hashem's path? So the Talmud says, just like he is merciful, you should be merciful. Do what Hashem does. Hashem, we find Hashem did kindness, Hashem buried the dead, Hashem clothed those who needed clothing, Hashem fed those who were... You, in turn, if you're following in Hashem's paths, then you have to emulate Hashem. You have to do the same thing. You have to be occupied in the same thing that occupies Hashem. What's Hashem occupied with? What's Hashem doing? He's doing kindness. He's constantly doing kindness. So if you are cleaving to Hashem, if you become an extension of Hashem, so too you also are doing kindness. But it's more so, your kindness becomes an extension of God's kindness. You become an extension of Hashem. Your kindness is it's Hashem's kindness. You become an expression of Hashem's kindness. You become an extension of Hashem. Hashem is engaged in studying Torah, and so my mind is engaged in studying the same Torah. Hashem is compassionate, Hashem is kind, Hashem is good. So you, in turn, become kind and compassionate. Not only the expression of compassion, that you're busy visiting the sick and, and, and helping people in need and feeding the poor and helping but you are even working on your emotions and your character traits. You become a compassionate person. Become a loving kind person. Just like he is compassionate, you become compassionate. Become a compassionate person. Become a kind person. Become a sensitive person. Because you become an extension of Hashem.
0: Does the word serenity have anything to do with this situation?
1: That's a good question. I don't know how much serenity is a Jewish concept. Um, I, we have serenity in the grave we have serenity this world is full of conflict struggle growth movement, change joy is a Jewish concept joy gladness of heart but the main idea of serenity of you know, just sitting and vegetating and becoming beatific and tuning in and tuning out—it's not. That's not a, a Jewish concept. The idea of serenity, of reaching a place where you're not affected by the external world—you know—if you know, if not, if you don't pursue indulgence and you have a serenity, a confidence, a trust in Hashem that anything that happens to you is good, and God is good, and therefore you have a certain level of peace. That, yes, but the Jewish idea of joy, deep inner joy, goes hand in hand, that life is a constant this world is a world of action. This is a world of creative tension. This is a world of constantly have to grow and we're constantly being challenged and, you know, what? Full of chaos. Full of chaos. Mm -hmm. We have to take, take that chaos and turn it, you know. So, so serenity per se not necessarily our ideal who says God wants our serenity every God wants our struggle (laughs) but if serenity means instead of being scattered and yes a person always has to be joyful has to be gladness of heart you have to feel good about life you have to feel good about yourself you have to feel good excited about life that's essential to Judaism joy is essential to Judaism that's a very inner, deep inner sense of peacefulness. Peacefulness and a calmness, and you can face any challenge that's, that's thrown at you. You're not shirking from challenge. You don't, you don't want to just sit and float <laughs> float in the river, <laughs> in the a mountain the s- mountaintop for nine hours and play dead for nine hours a day. That's not the Jewish ideal. But the inner sense of confidence, you can face any challenge that, that's coming to you because you have a trust and confidence in Hashem so you know the words, the word serenity the connotations of serenity there's a lot of connotations that's not Jewish you know (laughs) I don't think the Buddha was Jewish it's not not our (laughs) ideal (laughs) it's, it's the Jew is an interesting paradox, you know, we have that joy and we have that inner trust but on the other hand, life is active, and life is about action and doing and changing and constant. It's creative tension. So it's, it's 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 a different place. But if the opposite of serenity is definitely not Jewish, inner turmoil, inner inner chaos, and and scattered and and fearfulness and lack of peace of mind. That's not. That's definitely not Jewish. Serenity, There's much. it's much, for a Jew, there's a much broader picture. It doesn't capture, I don't think it captures the way a Jew really feels and approaches life. So it's a much deeper, you know, much...
2: Question. Even though serenity may not be a truly Jewish concept, could it also be said, we do attempt to be good people, as opposed to being bad, we do attempt to have as much of a spiritual union with Hashem as is humanly possible. To the extent that we accomplish those things, aren't we achieving a degree of serenity? I mean, we'll never never be absolutely good in the ultimate sense of the term. It's just like we will never achieve serenity in the ultimate sense of the term, but we will at least achieve some portion of the
1: concept yes and that that ties into what we're learning right now for for a Jew the only way we can overcome that existential angst that's gnawing away at us the only thing that can give us that inner peace of mind or serenity is when you study Torah when you're doing a mitzvah And when you're doing an act of goodness and kindness because you're doing what Hashem is doing. That's a way of connecting to Hashem. It's not only because it gives me, it makes me happy. Because I know when I'm being compassionate and I'm being kind, I'm doing what Hashem is doing. Hashem is being kind. Hashem is compassionate. So it's a divine connection. So the only way to soothe the angst for a Jew, that inner angst, that that bothers us, that troubles us, that sense of existence that we all suffer from, sense of ego, the only way to overcome that, the only way that can soothe the soul, is only when you're studying Torah, like we're doing right now, when you're doing a mitzvah, or when you do an act of goodness and kindness, because you're doing what Hashem is doing. You're, You're following in the ways of Hashem. So then, yes, that soothes our pain. When you do that, that gives you a certain sense of peace, inner peace. The only way, the ultimate peace for a Jewish soul that's ultimately troubled and in turmoil, the only thing that can really uh, help us, soothe us is the higher level of teshuvah. When we overcome any barrier, any sense of separation, when when we merge with Hashem, that's the love of kiss, that's what we're discussing, describing. It's such an overwhelming love with the barriers come tumbling down and you become absolutely one and and your breath and your lover's breath and you become absolutely one this is the only thing that can soothe the soul the jewish soul when you become absolutely one with hashem how do you become absolutely one with hashem when you love hashem with all your soul with every fiber of your being every bone in your body every aspect of your soul becomes completely unified with hashem when you're not just studying torah because it interests me it's interesting fulfills me no studying Torah is an extension of Hashem studying Torah Hashem is engaged in studying Torah and I become an extension of Hashem's mind when I do an act of kindness not only because it makes me feel good it fulfills me because Hashem is doing kindness and I am becoming one with Hashem then I'm touching the divine then more than touching the divine I become one and inseparable with the divine that's the ultimate level of teshuva Going, returning to a state where the soul was before the soul entered the body, before the soul became separated and disconnected from Hashem. So that's, you're right, that's the only thing that can soothe a true soul. Sitting and meditating all day is not going to do it. You can meditate for nine hours and achieve serenity, but it's not going to do it for the true soul, unless you're putting on the tefillin and unless you're studying that, 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 uh, the Torah and it fully engages your mind unless you're doing an act of goodness and kindness a tzedakah an act of compassion unless you change your characteristics, you become a compassionate kind, sensitive person because Hashem is compassionate that's the only thing that can soothe us, and that's why every day of our lives we're busy and engaged lovingly engaged in studying Torah, we can't wait to study Torah, we can't wait to do a mitzvah. We can't wait to do an act of goodness and kindness. A day goes by, and we don't study Torah, we don't do a mitzvah, we don't do, we don't pray, we don't connect, we don't do an act of goodness and kindness. We feel empty, hollow, and shallow. I have one question. Uh, his uh, serenity has to do
2: with entering his rest,
0: which he asked the
2: Jewish people during the Exodus? Jewish
1: oh, place it's, it's a sanctuary. Place sanctuary place is it. places uh, you feel at home when you feel at home I will rest there I will feel at home there when we turn this world into a place where God says I feel at home um, when we become completely unified unified with Hashem when we become intimate with Hashem that's what a home is when we become completely intimate with Hashem and the only way to become completely intimate with Hashem, with God, is through Torah and mitzvot. But when it's done with love, that's, that's the key that he's saying here. When it's done with love, when you study Torah, but out of love, what type of love are we talking about? With mean a love, a love like the love of a kiss. But when we do an act <laughs>
0: of kindness, we get satisfaction from
1: it. Yes. So
0: you're, that's, that's yes. incorrect?
1: But here we're talking about something much deeper than that.
0: I understand, but... Much so deeper, also, much deeper than that. We don't get beyond our satisfaction.
1: Here we're talking about the motivation that comes because... Because Hashem is kind. and I want to follow His path. I want to follow, do what Hashem is doing. I want to be busy and doing what... I want to be an extension of Hashem's kindness. My act of kindness is not just my kindness. It's divine kindness. And the difference when your act of kindness is because of your sense, it gives you a sense of fulfillment. And a study was done, by the way. Someone just showed me in the New York Times. He did a study that um, once a person makes $75,000 a year, you're as happy as you'll be. You saw that, right? Uh, Everything, all the money after that doesn't make any difference. Then they did a study. If a person wants to be happy, the best way to be happy is. Let's say you win a lottery. So you have three options. One is indulge in every buy the car you always dreamed of, and you know, indulge in anything you always wanted in your life. That's going to give you very little satisfaction. <coughs> As a matter of fact, it's, it's a case of diminished returns. The first moment you, you know, it's a novelty, you'll enjoy it. But then after a while, it loses its novelty and you stop enjoying it the only way to enjoy something is by depriving yourself of it <laughs> then when you experience it then then it's a pleasure but if you indulge in every, every urge and instinct it actually backfires it, 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 it's the it's law of diminishing returns they, then there's a person who takes his lottery winnings and instead of buying toys and buying things he, he spends it on experiences you go on a trip around the world you, you do things you've never done before experiences that enrich your life that that will bring a lot more satisfaction. It says the ultimate satisfaction is giving you money to others, giving you money to others, giving doing acts of kindness. And and they 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 did study scientifically, and it just went through the roof the amount of satisfaction. And they even tried it on children. Children by nature are very selfish, self centered, self absorbed, but they tried it on children. And when children help someone, help something they enjoyed it so much it gave them so much satisfaction so you're right doing acts of kindness leads to satisfaction you're a happier person you're a more well adjusted person societies where people are giving people are much more well adjusted take in Israel for example Israel is almost second nature people open their homes it's not It's not such a materialistic society as, as, in, as in America people are still they open their homes and they have guests every Shabbat and it's just a very giving, inclusive, you know, you're much more well adjusted and much happier. You know, a lot of you neurosis, you can you don't have to go to the psychiatrist and psychologist. Just start being kind and giving and it'll change your life. Once someone came, someone came to the Rebbe, a woman came to the Rebbe, she was miserable. She had no friends. She was always sour and bitter and eh, just miserable. And she tried psychologists and psychiatrists and, and nothing helped. worked. So someone suggested to go visit the Rebbe she thought the Rebbe was going to reach into her past life and tell her what she was in the previous reincarnation and ta- tell her something deep and mystical <laughs> she was startled by the Rebbe's question the Rebbe says let me ask you when you eat lunch during lunch break busy at work in the cafeteria do you ever pass the ketchup to anyone? <laughs> she says pass the ketchup he says no always eats by itself always very grumpy eats by itself and no social interaction with anyone but ever says you know let me suggest tomorrow when you have lunch look around you someone needs a little salt someone needs a little ketchup pass it around be helpful and it changed the whole life changed <laughs> she became a new person she got friends she created a positive energy just helping another person thinking about another person could cure 90% of, of psychological illnesses but that's about self fulfillment. And it is very self fulfilling. It's very self satisfying. People volunteer, even rich people, they volunteer to help. It, you get so much more out of it. Not just living for yourself, but helping another person. The word love, actually, in the Hebrew, ava, the root of the word love is hava, to give. You give something, you start loving start giving to the person even if you don't feel love and you'll start loving that person just be kind to that person be giving and suddenly your heart will open up the heart follows the actions but here we're talking about something much deeper here we're talking about not just because it's self-fulfilling that's called charity I feel charitable so I give charity I feel like giving I'm philanthropic it makes me feel good I enjoy it I love it that's all about self it's all about ego here we're talking about Teshuvah. A person wants to overcome his ego. A person suffers his existential angst because he feels that the ego is a barrier between me and God. I want to become one with God. Like the two lovers who kiss each other, they become one. They want to, they want to overcome They overcome the barrier, the physical barrier, and they get as close as they can get. And, and they, their breaths sh- mix, and they become their souls mix. It's a soul love. We're not talking about a physical erotic love we're talking about a genuine love where the ego barriers come tumbling down and you become one which is the most exciting type of love erotic love doesn't last and and, uh, it quickly dissipates and actually you lose the ability to love the more you indulge in that type of skin deep love we're talking about genuine love where two souls merge and become one (coughs) You know, where the ego barriers come tumbling down and, and you just want to get closer to each other and become one with each other. And that's the most thrilling, the most exciting type of love in the world. There's nothing, nothing even comes close to that type of thrill and excitement and genuine love. So when you have that type of love with Hashem, when you want to become one, you want to overcome your egos. It's not about self-fulfillment. It makes me feel good. I'm charitable. You want to become one with Hashem. How do you become one with Hashem? when you, kindness is because Hashem is kind Hashem is kind and therefore you want to become an extension of Hashem's kindness you become a vehicle for Hashem's kindness then your love and kindness is not limited to your moods and it's not limited well today I'm not in the mood of giving I've reached my quota of smiles for the day of giving that's it, no more I've done my share, I'm happy already I'm fulfilled, if it's about me that's fine but if it's about Hashem, Hashem is not finished. Hashem's quota is not finished. Hashem is infinite. <laughs> His quota is not done. You're an extension of Hashem. You, you give. And you give beyond your nature and beyond your limits and and you, bec- you become an extension of Hashem. Of course, the fulfillment is indescribable because you become, it opens you up, it expands you. Instead of being no matter how great and noble a person is, you're still finite, you're still limited. Well, when your soul becomes one and inseparable with Hashem, you become an extension of Hashem your personality, your character, everything about you becomes amplified a thousand fold it's a whole different, you're dealing with something it has a divine quality, a godly quality the goodness, the kindness there's something divine about it and the Jewish goodness and kindness is something godly and divine that, that's infinite It's beyond you know, just human nature. So when your mind becomes one with the mind of Hashem, then your mind starts thinking like Hashem's mind. You become an extension of Hashem's mind. That's why the great Jewish leaders, the great Jewish Torah giants, they, had, they saw things in a godly way. They approached things, everything in a godly way because they became one with Hashem. They started seeing things where Hashem sees, the way God sees things from the inside out. And their kindness was also became an extension of Hashem's kindness. That's the mitzvah, mitzvah six hundred and eleven. That you should follow an Hashem's path. Talmud says, How do you follow in Hashem's paths? Because he is kind and you are kind. You are doing what he is doing. You become an extension of his kindness. He is compassionate, you become compassionate. So two men's intellect and here's to Hashem's intellect and wisdom. This refers to the concentrated study of the Torah. So the Torah issues from wisdom. So too is man's thought to be united with Hashem. He, he just says, your thought with Hashem's thought. He doesn't explain. When it comes to intellect, he explains. Your intellect becomes one with God's intellect. What is God's intellect? The Torah. And then he's going to say, your speech becomes one with God's speech. What is God's speech? Halacha. When it comes to thought, he doesn't explain. He just says, your thought becomes one with God's thought. What is God's thought? What is He referring to? So the Rebbe explains He's referring to these two parts of learning Torah. One part of learning Torah is when you study in depth. When you really delve deep into into the subject matter. You study it comprehensively. It taxes your mind. You stretch. Every cell, every cell in your noodle is being used to to the maximum that's the seichal Torah then there is studying Torah just studying superficially but just covering a lot of ground you know when you study in depth it's very slow you take a small piece and you try to understand it and truly understand it and go deeper and study all the commentaries on it and really really try to grasp it that takes time it's time consuming it consumes your energy then there's another study. Just studying this Torah is vast. There's so much to learn, so much to study. Just to study what we call superficially. But just to go through a lot of material. In order to be able to study in depth, you have to have a range of knowledge. If you, if you only study in depth, and your whole range of knowledge is this small... You have no material to work with. You have to have a broader picture of the Torah. So, that, so that's what he calls thought. Thought versus intellect. Intellect means engaging your mind. Thought is like almost superficial. You're thinking. So he says, your thought becomes one with the thought of Hashem. That's studying Torah. When you study Torah, you know, superficially, but you study a lot of it, and you try to cover a lot of ground and try to study as much as possible to gain a broad knowledge of Torah. So, Reverend,
2: what you're really saying is difference between the letter of the law and the spirit of the law. The only way to really get to the spirit of the law is to have such a wide range of studying the word that you that you pick up on what was really meant by the text, not just simply what the words say.
1: Well, to get the spirit of the law, you really have to delve very deeply, instead of just superficially. The letter of the law, there are people who are very they very very um, they have broad knowledge, encyclopedic knowledge, but it's not necessarily very deep. Mm-hmm. right? They're very literal, and they know a lot and a very good reference, they're like a reference book, a walking, living reference book. But then there are people who don't have such a wide re- reference, but whatever they know, they know it in depth. You get insights, you get depth, you get clarity, you get. A true understanding. Like you really, you see that he slept on it, he chewed it, he digested it, he lives with it. It's a whole different understanding. So there's a person who has broad knowledge, but skin deep, very superficial. He can know the law and can quote it, but doesn't have a deep understanding. Then you have a person who goes in depth. Everything that he knows, he understands with 100%. He doesn't, he's relentless. He doesn't walk away from it until he goes deeper and deeper, until he really, really gets it. And what he gets is not what, you would, what would appear superficially. Because a person who knows it superficially doesn't really know, know it in depth. And therefore, you can't extrapolate. If you have a new question coming up, it's not always obvious. The answer is not always obvious from the superficial reading of the material. It's only someone who really understands it in depth that could extract the right answer from the material. So it's so, there, but the truth is, we have to have both. When we study Torah, we have to have both. You have to spend time studying a lot, knowing a lot, covering a lot of ground, and that enriches your knowledge also because, in order to truly go in depth in one subject, you have to have a broad knowledge. The more broad based your knowledge, the more in depth you can go, you know, when, when, even, even in that single subject matter. But then there is engaging your mind fully. So he's saying both of these things are necessary. So by studying Torah in depth, your mind becomes an extension and one with the mind of Hashem, which is the Torah. And by thinking Torah, meaning by reading superficial, learning Torah superficially and learning a lot, your thought becomes one with the thought of Hashem. And then?
0: And a speech is to be unified with the word Hashem, which is the halacha. Is in the passages which speak of the Torah I have placed my word in your mouth and my words that I have placed
1: in your mouth so it's very interesting when it comes to speech he says the word of Hashem and he specifically says halacha by studying halacha halacha is the legal ruling in the Torah you have the discussion the great discussion, the Talmud and Allah is the bottom line it's after all this great discussion after all the arguments now comes the verdict the bottom line that's halach the Talmud you can have pages of discussion and back and forth and arguments and mm. one extreme to the other and at the end of the day what's the verdict? what's the bottom line? how do we do? what are we going to do in real life? who's going to win? the argument I mean, what's, what's the right way to live by? that's halach so he says how do you connect with the speech of Hashem? by studying halach why is halakha more than any words of the Torah? By saying the words of Torah, every word of Torah is the word of Hashem. Why specifically halakha? And this, is very, this fits with the theme of this chapter that we're discussing the idea of the higher level of teshuva. How does a soul become one And inseparable from Hashem. The soul suffers from existential angst, even if you're not doing anything wrong. You already did the lower level of the shuvah, you're doing everything that's right. But still, there's a separation, there's a barrier. I am Hashem's servant, I'm doing what Hashem wants me to do. But there's an I. That's obeying Hashem. So there's a separation. There's an I and there's Hashem. So so there's a separation. I want to overcome the separation. The soul wants to return to the state of the soul before the soul was born, before the soul even entered the body. When the breath of Hashem, even before the breath leaves, left Hashem, so to speak. When the soul was one and inseparable from Hashem. So he said, how do you do this? Through the higher level of Teshuvah, which is The studying of Torah by using your mind because the mind has the ability to completely overcome your ego your natural tendencies like we discussed last week you can totally radically change your behavior change your nature with the power of your mind you understand that this is the proper behavior and you can shift your life and radically change your life people have changed make radical changes Based on their understanding, which went contrary to their nature and contrary to everything they grew up with and, and were comfortable with, based on their understanding, they understood the truth, and they followed that truth, and completely changed their lives 180 degrees. That's the power of intellect, because intellect is objective. Intellect is truth. Wherever the truth will take me, I will follow. That's intellect is looking for truth. A true scientist, we discussed. It's a very rare phenomenon, but a true scientist, not career scientist. But a genuine scientist, his pursuit, his interest is just following the truth, discovering the truth for truth's sake. So that's the ability to go beyond your ego. And that helps you overcome the barrier, the ego barrier between you and Hashem. So by studying Torah, engaging your mind fully, you become one with Hashem. But the truth is, even intellect ultimately is the ultimate expression of yourself. You understand. It's your understanding. And you become a complete person once you understand and you have a fully developed intellect. So ultimately, you still haven't completely transcended yourself, completely left yourself, have risen above yourself. The way a person could completely transcend himself is, ironically and paradoxically, it's through speech. Because speech is not about self-expression. You don't need speech for yourself. If you're Robinson Crusoe, if you're stuck in an island, there's, there's no one to talk to. You don't need speech. Speech, communication, is for the other person. So it's not for yourself. As a matter of fact, intellectual people actually are loners. They like to be alone. They find other people a distraction, like to live in Ivory Tower. Surroundings, they want to be completely isolated so they can think. You don't need another person. You can entertain yourself. Intellectuals like to entertain themselves. As a matter of fact, other people are a distraction. Emotional people are social people. They thrive off human interaction. Intellectuals find human interaction a pain, (laughs) a big distraction. They just want to be left alone with their books and their writings, and their thinking, don't bother me, don't disturb me. So the intellect is for yourself. Speech communication is not about yourself. Speech communication is for the other person. It's solely for the benefit of the other person. Because even emotions, emotions are about the other person. You love the other person, hate the other person, you're attracted, you're, you're repulsed. But nevertheless, it characterizes you. It's your character. It describes you. You're a loving person or you're a hateful person. But speech is solely and exclusively focused on the other person. It's all about you. It's not about me. The person for himself doesn't need speech. Speech doesn't add anything to the person. Who needs speech? Speech is all about you. So speech, in a certain sense, is the ultimate egoless expression. The ultimate expression of egolessness my ability to completely transcend myself. And that's why there's a certain humility in speech, in communication, in business. There's a certain humility that even creative geniuses don't have. creative person, by definition, is humble because he's open, he's open to something that's beyond himself, he's open to subconscious. <coughs> He's listening. He's receptive. He's looking for something new, something different. But ultimately, it's all about myself. A business person has to be completely egoless. It's not about you. The customer is always right. It's 100% about the customer. 100%. The creative person doesn't care about the customer. The creative person could, could draw a painting and maybe... The audience doesn't even exist yet. Maybe the audience hasn't been born yet. One day, how many artists are there that they were discovered a hundred years after their death? There's a satisfaction. He's expressing himself. It's my creativity. It gives me satisfaction. No one in the world appreciates it. They don't think I'm nuts. It's their problem. Why do I care? As long as it gives me satisfaction, it takes a very strong person, a very original person, a very genuine person, an artist, a creative person, a creative genius, But it's all about me. Ultimately, it's my self-expression. It's the pinnacle of creativity, of brains, of intellect, but it's my self-expression. So I haven't fully gone beyond my ego. It's only in speech. Speech is completely focused on the other person. You completely forget about yourself. It has nothing to do with me. I don't need it. I don't want it. It's not about me. It's about the other person. Being able to put yourself in the other person's shoes. To completely put yourself in the other person's shoes. To get into the head of the customer. That's priceless. Why is Apple so successful? Because unlike all other businesses, it really gets into the head of the customers. It gives the customer what they want. (laughs) All other businesses are giving the customers things that they don't want. But the business, the creative genius, decided that this is what he wants. Okay, so it's about you, but it's not what the customer wants. Most people don't have that ability to forget about yourself and really focus on the other person. In a way, that's the ultimate humility. That's the ultimate egolessness, expression of egolessness. Communication, speech, is the ultimate expression of egolessness. It's not about me. It's about the other person. And that's why man is called a speaker, a communicator. This is how the Torah defines man. Not like the Western dictionary defines man as um, you know, intelligent animal. Torah doesn't define man by his intelligence although that seems to be the highest faculty intelligence, imagination Torah defines man as speaker communicator because communication and speech the need to communicate the ability to communicate comes from a much deeper place in the intellect it's our ability to completely transcend ourselves to go beyond our egos and to put ourselves in someone else's shoes and to get into someone else's head and to communicate in a way that they understand that makes sense to them not about me using their language using their reality to be able to speak someone else's language that's a rare ability that's a true leader It's able to really speak the language of the other person to be completely humble completely it's not about me not about my self-fulfillment not about my self-satisfaction not about my creative genius as spiritual as it may be it's about the other person that's the ultimate act of self it's the ultimate and deepest expression of the soul that the soul has the ability to completely transcend itself and speak and to communicate and so too in the Torah when we we speak of God's speech God's ability to communicate the ultimate expression of Torah the deepest expression of Torah what's the crown of Torah? Halach not the discussion not the Talmud, the whole discussion the Halach, this is the will of Hashem this is the crown of Torah This is the ultimate expression of God's infinite infinity. So when a Jew wants to connect his speech, your ability to communicate, and your power and gift of communication, you want to communicate it with the communication of Hashem, he says specifically, it's by studying halach. So a Jew who loves Hashem so much, a love of a kiss, the ultimate highest love, And your soul wants to become one with Hashem, inseparable with Hashem. So every aspect of your soul has to become completely one with Hashem and an extension of Hashem. Your brains, your intellect have to be fully engaged in studying of Torah in depth. Your thought has to be engaged in studying Torah superficially, gaining a lot of knowledge of Torah. Your speech has to be involved in studying halacha of Torah. And how he continues?
2: Man's needs shall so likewise be united with his needs for security. Revives the spirit of the press fallen. Acting thus unites man with his Maker,
0: where He too provides life and revives the spirit of creative being.
1: Hashem does charity. Where do we see Hashem does charity? We are we are charity cases. Hashem does not owe us a thing. And He creates us, sustains us revives us whether we're worthy or not it's a pure act it's a gratuitous act of kindness on Hashem's part. so Hashem is constantly giving tzedak the fact that Hashem is constantly creating us, recreating us is an act of tzedak every morning we thank Hashem for restoring our soul and Hashem restores all our souls not only if we acted righteously the day before even if we misbehaved the day before Hashem doesn't bear a grudge. He doesn't take it out on us. Okay, today I'm not not returning your soul. I'm I'm not going to return it so fresh. He returns it to us fresh. He doesn't owe us anything. We owe Him. And yet, He's kind. He's generous. He doesn't tire. The sun comes out. It's a brand new day, a fresh day. Yesterday was a horrible day. We acted horribly. Hashem still continues to shine the, the sun continues to shine It recreates the world sends us back a fresh soul refreshed a brand new day so Hashem is constantly doing acts of goodness and kindness so if you want to follow in Hashem's path you want to connect with Hashem you also have to be charitable every day you have to do an act of goodness and kindness every single day you have to give tzedakah every single day Shabbat, you can't physically give tzedakah, so you give double on Friday before Shabbos to make up for Shabbos. If it's Yontif, it's a three-day Yontif, you have to give triple and quadruple the the of Yontif, or the Friday before. Every day we're doing an act of goodness and kindness because we become one with Hashem. If you truly love Hashem and you truly become one with Hashem and separable from Hashem, this is what Hashem is. This is what Hashem is doing. So if you're one with Hashem, how do I know you're one with Hashem if you're also compassionate, kind, and every day you're doing tzedakah so it's a busy agenda it's a busy schedule, you're studying Torah you're studying studying more Torah you're studying halacha you're doing tzedakah you become godly, you become divine okay, conclude as the verse states as the verse states for six days God wrought as it's explained elsewhere the expression used concerning God's activity during the six days of creation a verb expressing action and doing indicates that the divine powers
2: had to descend you to the nethermost level of interaction in order to create and vitalize the needs of
1: creation. It doesn't say, in six days God created. The Zohar says, with six days God created. Six days refers to the six emotional attributes. With kindness, with love. To, so Hashem creates the world with kindness. Hashem wants to bestow kindness, so He creates the world. And because kindness this is the beginning of of the world of existence of because kindness could only you could only be kind in relation to someone outside of you I love someone and I hate someone so the world begins comes into existence mm-hmm. with the attributes emotional attribute of kindness and love that brings the world into existence and every day of creation corresponds to another of one of the divine attributes so but the Torah says with six days God made the world that God created the physical world and He sustains the physical world and He draws down his, um, his divine energy. His divine energy is translated into deed, into action. Just like Tadaka. Tzedakah, tzedakah is not enough to sit and empathize with the person in need. Let me sit down. We'll cry together. I'll give you a massage if you want person needs, needs money, write him a check put your hand into your pocket and take out that miserable dollar and give it to him not spiritual, the, the person needs a piece of bread he needs a helping hand so just like Hashem took his divine energy and he translated into physical, creates us, sustains us physically so too we have to give tzedakah and giving tzedakah means literal literally giving tzedakah not in the spiritual sense in the metaphorical sense but literally doing an act of kindness a deed an action action, a tangible action and it shouldn't be so secret you know all the sins are public all the good deeds are so hidden and concealed and discretion don't be so discretion. (laughs) You know, when the sins, if the sins are done with discretion, then the mitzvot can also be with discretion. But everything today is public. It has to be a physical act, an act that you can see, and something tangible. If you're following Hashem's paths, then you also do tzedakah. And the distance between Hashem and us is infinite. So you don't only do tzedakah with someone who's on your level you do tzedakah with someone who is very far from your love but if Hashem is kind to us we can be kind with someone and we surely don't deserve it we can be kind to someone who we think doesn't deserve it so we're following in Hashem's ways we have to f- follow His footsteps
2: this is the cleaving of spirit to spirit the ultimate attachment and union that results from love ultimate union with God through Torah study is attained only when it is the result of love Thus, while it is true that when one studies the Torah simply out of one's acceptance of the yoke of heaven, he also achieves a measure of the cleaving of spirit to spirit. This cannot compare to the degree of attachment that is attained when the same study is motivated by a love of God. Hence, since the shuvah ila'ah, is the manifestation of the soul's ultimate attachment with God that means engaging in the study of the Torah in awe and love of the Holy One be he.
1: So this was an explanation and we will we'll stop here and please God next week we will conclude chapter 9 so this is the conclusion of what he began at the beginning of the chapter to explain the higher level of Teshuvah studying Torah which is the higher hay, which represents the intellect. But he qualified it. You have to study Torah accompanied by a sense of love and awe of Hashem. Because only when you have that awe and love of Hashem that motivates you and that's driving you. That love, the love of a kiss, like he explained earlier, where you want to become one and the ego barriers between you come tumbling down And your souls want to become one. And the only way to overcome that barrier is when you're studying Torah and do mitzvah. So the love, of course the love alone is nothing. You're just going to sit and bask in your love. It's not a genuine love. How do I know you truly love? When you express that love through a physical kiss, you you have to study Torah. It's only by studying Torah that you merge. Your souls merge. The two breaths merge and become your souls merge. By studying Torah, when you love God with all your soul, and every faculty, and every aspect of your, your mind, and, and your intellect, and then your whole being, your emotions, you become compassionate, God is compassionate, you become compassionate, and your actions, and your behavior, and your whole soul, and every aspect that you become, you become an extension of Hashem. And then, that's the only thing that can soothe the angst of the Jewish soul. Only when you're busy, when you're involved and engaged and studying Torah, doing mitzvah, doing the act of tzedakah, goodness and kindness. And you're doing it out of a sense of love, or out of a sense of connection with Hashem. I'm not doing it because it fulfills me. And I'm not doing it only because I'm obligated to do it. But I'm doing it with, suffused with a love. Then your soul truly becomes one with Hashem. And that's the only thing that can truly satisfy the Jewish soul. Jewish soul will never be at rest, never be at peace, will never achieve serenity, until you truly connect with Hashem, with this sense of overwhelming love, the sense of love that's driving you, when the Torah that you do is <coughs> done with love. You do it lovingly. You do the act of tzedakah not with a sour face. You do it lovingly, and you're doing it because it's divine and it's godly. Only then will you become whole and. Your soul is restored to its level of the soul the way it was before it descended into this world. And you overcome that separation, that boundary. And that's the theme of a Jew's life. That the soul should return, as King Solomon says, <laughs> The spirit should return to God who gave it to me. To the level of the soul before God gave it to me. And the only way we can achieve that is by studying Torah and doing this. And that's the teshuva that drives the good deeds that we do. It says in Ethics of Our Fathers, this is a teshuva that drives the good <clears throat> deeds. This is the teshuva that comes before the good deeds. It's not just repentance for bad for bad deeds. That I've already taken care of. But it's the teshuva that drives. This is the driving force. The reason I'm studying Torah and because I want to book return to Hashem. I want to cleave with Hashem. I want to connect with Hashem. I want to become one with Hashem. I want to kiss Hashem. I want to merge with Hashem. And then the Torah that you learn and the Mitzvah that you learn, it's a different Torah, a different quality. It's an illuminated Torah. It's a Torah that leads to refinement. to leads to egolessness. Versus a Torah that makes the person coarse And arrogant And self egocentric and that's a, that's a Torah that's an exile That's a Torah That's bringing God into a dungeon Instead of bringing God into a palace But when you study Torah like this That's Like you said earlier This is the dwelling place This is where Hashem says I feel at home This is a beautiful palace You brought Hashem into Your life becomes Your being Yourself Your home by extension your office, becomes, this is a palace for Hashem. That's the purpose. That's the theme of a Jew's life.
0: This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com.